this seemed very wrong and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home, that that is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish? I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Elaine. So we've come to chapter 4 in the book of uh, Jonah. The story of, a, of one man, a big fish, and God's relentless grace. So let's just begin by praying. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would be our teacher this evening. Please teach us the truth about the Father. Teach us the truth about Jesus and his self-giving love. Open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to receive from you. Take these words that I speak, Lord, and make your words go deep into each person's heart that we might know you more from having studied this book and know what you call us to be and to do for you and how you equip us to serve you. So we ask, Lord, for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Imagine this very domestic scene, one played out in many homes across the country every day. A mother's just returned home after a busy day at work. Her two teenage children are already at home. Her son is lying on the sofa watching TV. Does it sound familiar? She tells him to remind his sister to do her jobs. Why, he says. What's the point? You never make her do them anyway. Just go, his mother says. So he goes noisily upstairs, bangs on his sister's bedroom door and delivers a message. His sister slowly makes her way downstairs. She says, Mom, you know I've got two exams tomorrow 
and I've started my revision, but I haven't finished yet. Mum says, don't worry, love. I'll do your jobs. You just go, go and focus on your revision. So she makes her way slowly upstairs. But her brother begins to get angry. You've let her off again, he says. That's exactly why I don't want to, I didn't want to tell her in the first place. Because I knew you would just let her off like you do every time. We're looking at Jonah chapter four, the final part of the story of Jonah. The part where we get to see Jonah's heart and we get to see God's heart. And we'll ask the question, are our hearts like Jonah's? Or are our hearts like God's? So first of all, Jonah's heart. Chapter 3 closes. We, we need to read the last verse in chapter 3 to really understand chapter 4. Because the last verse in chapter 3 says, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. And that takes us up to chapter 4, verse 1, where we read these remarkable words. Look in verse 1. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. So we're getting a chance to see inside of Jonah's heart, into his thinking, into his internal world. And what do we see? We see he's angry. As far as Jonah's concerned, there's been a gross act of injustice. Why is he angry? Well, from Jonah's perspective, it looks like God has gone soft on sin and weak on justice. Because God, after all, had the opportunity to demonstrate his power and his judgment against this city. And God's just gone and blown it. And Jonah isn't just displeased, he's furious with God. In fact, the word anger appears five times in this chapter. Don't count it now. Wait till you get home. But why is he angry and grouchy? One writer puts it like this. Jonah has been surprised by grace. You see, his idea of what God should do and what God actually did differs radically. But actually, anger is a very useful emotion. When it erupts, it tells us there's something that's wrong. And of course, the emotion anger doesn't actually tell us if the problem is inside ourselves or if the problem is outside ourselves. We usually assume it's outside of us. We usually assume it's somebody else's fault why we're angry. And that's what Jonah assumed. But when we track our anger, often we discover that the problem is within us. Very often, well, I speak from my own experience, We have an unrealistic expectation, we got the wrong information, or a complete misunderstanding of the situation. But of course, there are times when we've been wronged, perhaps violated, and anger is a natural response to that injustice. So I don't want to undermine that. But it is true, isn't it, that sometimes um, anger points to us as the problem. So what was the problem in Jonah's heart? Some people suggest that it was that Jonah didn't really understand who God was and what God's purposes were. But if we look a bit more closely at the passage, we see that actually Jonah's got a good understanding of God. 
his theology wasn't the problem. Look, in, look at his prayer in verse 2. He says, it says, he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and a compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. You may recognize those words. Those words are from Exodus 34. See, Jonah knew that God was a gracious and a compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who holds back and longs for his people to turn to him. So if Jonah knew all of this, why is he having a strop? Because God actually has acted in line with his character. Well, a clue to that might actually be the mention of Jonah's home in verse 2. Look in verse 2. It says, he prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, while I was still at home? You see, back in Israel, there were lots of people who thought just like he did. There were many like-minded people where he came from. People who knew that God was compassionate, gracious, and loving and forgiving to their own people. But when it came to showing grace to your enemies, and especially to a place like Nineveh, well, that was a whole different issue. How could God offer forgiveness and grace to these ignorant heathens? It's very easy for us to live in our own little bubbles, isn't it? To spend all our time with people who think in the same way as we do. To read the articles and the books that will reinforce our own uh, sometimes narrow-minded views. And I speak to myself as much as anybody else when I say that. And to fashion a God who is very much like us. And that's why it's important that we meet other people, both people who are Christians and not from this church, other traditions, and also we meet people who are non-Christians. So we get to see how they view life. And then we go back to our Bibles and think it through and challenge what we, th- what we think and, and, and see whether we need to change in any ways in which we think about the world to avoid us living in that bubble. But you see, there wasn't anything wrong with what Jonah believed. The problem wasn't in his head, it was in his heart. Jonah did not want to relent. Jonah did not want God to relent and show compassion to the people of Nineveh. That was the key issue. And one of the great lessons of the book of Jonah is that God relates to the nations of the earth in the same way as he does to his own people. One writer has put it like this. Jonah knows God's character, but he's a stranger to God's ways. You see, he had a problem with the love of God. But then it's very easy for us to see this in Jonah, but then miss out that actually the point of this book is for our instruction. I remember hearing um, how a missionary friend um, of ours who'd spent a long time working out in Pakistan um, amongst Muslims, when she came back to live in the UK, she really struggled. She lived in Birmingham and um, had many Pakistani Muslim neighbors. And I remember her saying, you know, when she was in Pakistan, it was easy to love the Pakistani Muslims that she came across. But then when she came home and she saw people in her street, in her community, she began to sense a resentment in herself. 
And she had to ask God actually to forgive her and to give her love for the Muslim neighbors that lived in her street. That was quite a humbling thing for a former missionary to have to do. And as we see people from other faiths and nationalities living in our streets, it, it's not, it's, it is possible that we can feel resentful, especially when they come to faith in Jesus. Should it really be that easy for them to become Christians? Shouldn't these people have to do a bit more to prove that they really are deserving of God's love? How easily we can forget that we were totally undeserving of God's love, and yet he accepted <laughs> us. Are we ready to give that same welcome to others that we have received? God says to Jonah in verse 4, is it right for you to be angry? When we fail to love our enemies, then we've forgotten that we were once God's enemies and have received his grace. Jonah teaches us to look carefully at our anger and see where it comes from. The rest of the chapter takes us away from considering our own hearts to look at God's heart in verses 5 to 11. Let's read from verse 5. Jonah had gone out and sat at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. Jonah is fed up with God, so he decides to find himself a good vantage point where he can watch the action. He makes himself a shelter in the hope that God will still act as he waits and watches. In the city, the king of Nineveh is sitting in sackcloth and ashes, just hoping that God will relent. Meanwhile, Jonah's sitting outside the city, waiting for it to be destroyed. Despite the fact that God has said he's relented, our prophet hopes he won't. It's sobering, isn't it? But then we read that God provided a plant to grow so that, he would be, that, that Jonah would be protected from the sun. So we see that God cares for his rebellious prophet. Even when Jonah is angry with God, God is still looking after his prophet. I wonder if you've ever experienced that. You're not talking to God. You're angry with God for what's happened to you. And yet God sends someone, perhaps another Christian, to look out for you. He provides what we need, but sometimes we're too stubborn to acknowledge it. But we see that Jonah is pleased with one thing. He's pleased with God's provision. We read that Jonah was very happy about the plant. He may be miserable about God saving a whole city of people, but he's ecstatic about God providing a plant. There's some irony here, isn't there? Jonah takes no delight in the pagan city repenting, but he's delighted that God's given him a tree. It's clear that God's agenda and Jonah's agenda are very different. But then God provides something else. 
This time it's a worm which destroys the plant. And then to top it all, God sends a wind, not just a gentle breeze, but a desert wind. For a few years, we lived on the edge of a desert in Pakistan. And when the desert wind blew, um, everything became covered in dust. All the asthmatic stayed inside. And if you got caught in one of those storms, the hot sand would be, would be agonizingly painful as it blows on any exposed skin. The combination of the worm and the hot wind, wind throws Jonah into despair. Jonah had hoped that God's judgment would fall on the people of Nineveh, but instead, it's falling on him. And yet again, we see God asking him a question in verse 9 to confront his anger. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? We can see that God is very gently showing Jonah what his heart is like. Jonah's more concerned about a tree than the people of the city. One commentator says, Jonah cannot accept grace when it favors his enemies, but he couldn't accept life without God's grace either. So we see the difference between Jonah's heart and God's heart. And so God explains to Jonah what he's doing in his life. God is saying, if you feel this strongly about a tree that you didn't plant or care for, how do you think the creator feels? And think about all those people in Nineveh, God says. 120,000 people whom I created in love. I saw them as they grew in their mother's womb, took their first step, spoke their first word. Each part of their life was laid before me. Should I not be concerned for them? And as God speaks, we see the love and the compassion of a father God for people, even a pagan nation. So we end by asking the big question, because we've reached the end of the story. But have you noticed how the book ends? We don't actually know what happens to Jonah. Did he go on to be the new church leader of the revived people in Nineveh? Or did he go home on a preaching tour telling this amazing story of what happened to him? It's left unanswered because God has the same question for us, for the communities we live in, for our family members, for our neighbors, for the people who live in this parish. God's question still is, should I not be concerned for them? So how do we respond? Will we be like the stroppy teenager that we started with who doesn't understand grace? Or will we catch God's grace? Will we understand how God sees other people? And will we ask God to give us a heart like his? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you gave us the book of Jonah. And it's been good to read it. It's challenging, it's disturbing, and it's moved us at times, it's made us laugh at other times. But we know, Lord, that there's a message there, the message of your love for people who are outside of your love, people that you long to come into that grace that you give through Jesus. And we know that you call us to be people who share that wonderful message of your love. 
with people from every culture, every language group, every religion. And we thank you that in our parish we have people from every major religious group living around our, in our parish. And we pray, Lord, that you'd help us to see them as you see them. Give us a heart of love for those people. Give us ways in which we can share the good news of Jesus in our parish, with our families, in our workplace, wherever we might be this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.